Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Luke Charles, and you're listening to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the word, promise, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for giving us this word and showing us in depth and coming into our missile that we can actually learn. We're not just searching around vainly. Now, Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, amen. All right, so we are continuing our study this morning in the book of Jude, or the epistle of Jude. Um, and with that, can I get a volunteer to read from verse 5 through 11, please? I will. All right, Kyla. And it says, But I want to remind you, through though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner of the, to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are, for, are set forth as an example, suffering vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beast, and though in these things they corrupt, corrupt themselves. Excuse me. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. All right. Um, there's a lot in there to discuss. So, as is our, our culture here, right? Um, we are going to open the floor to, to you guys first to allow you to share what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. Okay. So who'd like to begin? Um, I just want to know what what's the rebellion of Korah? Ah, that's in Deuteronomy when the children of Israel went against Moses and the ground opened up and swallowed them. Oh. Thank you, promise. You're welcome. <laughs> well, what hap- what happened there, sir? It's actually in Numbers. Number 16, not Deuteronomy. It's also, I believe, referenced in Deuteronomy, but the actual event occurs in number 16. Do you want him to read it? Sure. Or read it, yeah. Now, Korah, the son of Azar, the son of Karath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abram, the sons of Elab, and on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. 
And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when, Mer so, sorry. So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face and he spoke to Korth and all the, his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near to him. That, that one whom he chooses he will cause to come near him. Do this. Take censers, Korah, Korah, and all your company. Put fire on them and put incense, incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You shall take too, you take too much among yourselves, you son, wait, yeah, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. It is a small thing that you, to you that the Lord of Israel has segregated you, separated you from the congregation of Israel, to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve them, and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you. Are you seeking the priesthood? Priesthood, priesthood too. Also, we would say, baby. Oh, also. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? And Moses sent to call to Dathan and Abram the sons of Elab, but they said, "We will not come up." Is it a small thing that you have brought us? Up, brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of, of these men? We will not come up. Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor I have hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you you and they, as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer and put incense in it, and each of you bring his censer before the Lord. Two hundred and fifty censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took a censer and put fire in it, and and it laid incense on it and stood at the door of the tabernacle with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among the con this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, o God, the God of the spirits and of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry without the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. 
Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abram, the elders of Israel, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. And Dathan and Abram came out stood at the door of those tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said to them, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done for I have not done them wait for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But the Lord Creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them. They shall, and they shall go down alive, to, go down alive to, into the pit. Then you understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under part, split apart underneath them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up. With their households and all the men of Korah and with their goods. Sorry. So when they and all those with them went down alive into the pit, the earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for for they said, Least the earth swallow us up too. Also, and thank you, sweetheart. Excellent. Thank you very much. Okay, so, yes, thank you for reading that, sir. You're welcome. Who wants to give me, um, I'll, I'll say a recap, but can explain what happened in that situation now that we've all read it? Go ahead, Layla. So, in the instance of Korra, it, the earth didn't open up and swallow them be necessarily because they rose up against Moses and Aaron it was because they rejected the Lord and they rose themselves up against him and said no God we're, we're better than you we can do this ourselves and you see the rebelliousness there and what Korah did and how he he also caused other people to sin by roping them into it and going come follow me and caused not only his own family and children and goods to be swallowed up, but other people's as well. And then he caused other people that were supposed to be servants of the Lord to be consumed by fire. Now, it was the other people's choice to um, follow along with that, but it was still on Korah for introducing said sin to the people of the Lord. And we see that it's not a light thing when we do that for others, when we lead them astray, it's very serious and very grave in the eyes of the Lord. If Jesus himself said, it'd be better that a millstone be thrown around this man's neck and he drowned in the sea than to cause the little one to stumble, then we can conclude that it's a very very serious thing to the Lord that we um, teach them and admonish them in the right and point them in the right direction towards him, not leading them astray. Mm Mm-hmm. Brought up some some great points there, Layla. One, having to do with appointing themselves, right? Except here's the thing. It says in there that the Lord had separated them and allowed them to participate, right? 
Yes. Okay. But it, as you were stating, is the rejection of whom the Lord appointed as the leader. Where were these people when the Lord delivered them out of Egypt? How come they weren't the front runners? How come they weren't acting and operating in Moses' place, having conversations with Pharaoh? Right? Where were they? Bondage with the rest of the children of Israel. Okay. But now here they are trying to assert themselves in a leadership role. Again, not being happy in the place the Lord had given them to operate and to function and minister to the body, to the people. Right? Yes. But this isn't the first time and the first thing. A couple chapters back in number 14, what happens? Does anyone know off the top of their head? You don't have to read it. Or we can go look that up in our own time. Was that when the people said, "Why doesn't Mo- why don't why doesn't the Lord speak to us face to face?" No. Aaron and Miriam? So so, in Numbers fourteen, Joshua, Caleb, and the rest of the spies return from spying out the promised land, and I bring that up because isn't that one of the accusations here that the sons of Korah used? Yes. You Moses have not brought us into the promised land. Completely, uh, I'll say, I can't even say forgetting because it just happened a couple chapters before, right? Numbers 14, they refused to accept what the Lord said and enter into the land. Conveniently, that, that part's left out of their confession and of an accurate statement of what actually happened. Caleb and Joshua said, no, 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 the land's ours. Let's go take it. The Lord said what he said. Let's go take the land and fulfill, you know, everything that the Lord said he would do and, and, and see it manifested and, and eat the fruit of it. It's going to be great. And the people rose up. And they're not, not just against Joshua and Caleb, but against the Lord's chosen leaders, Moses and Aaron. And then the Lord came down. And it's very interesting. The Lord says, Something to the effect of, how long will this, will this people contend with me? Right? The Lord didn't even acknowledge that the people were talking to or about Moses and Aaron. He specifically, the Lord, said the actions were against him, even though they, in the moment, were threatening to stone Moses and Aaron. And then the Lord makes his decrees, Right? For 40 days that you spied out the land, you will wander the wilderness for 40 years. Right? You see that in there now? Maybe. Okay. So the Lord says it's going to be a year for each day because you refused. The rebelliousness, the Lord was dealing with the rebelliousness. The rebelliousness had to perish in the wilderness. And these people refused to let go of that. I mean, we're, we're in numbers here, right? Yes. So, they refused. They refused to let it go and just accept what the Lord said and refused to accept the, what the Lord said as far as who the Lord established as leadership for his people. Yes. So there's the combination thereof, right? You see the rebelliousness. You see all that 
working at play. However, the Lord and his grace and his mercy and all those things, even though he says, well, in Numbers 14, he says, hey, you're, you're going to know what it is to essentially, I'm going to paraphrase, it says, to be separated from me. No, my rejection. Okay, right? But then in Deuteronomy 2, verse 7, it says that the Lord has watched over them, that he's taking care of them the entire time. So clearly he didn't reject the people. He's still with the people. He's still watching over them. They had a cloud by day and fire by night. The Lord's protection was with them. The Lord made sure their clothes didn't wear out. He fed them every day, still, right? However, the rebelliousness had to perish in the wilderness. So, you see a continuation of that here with the sons of Korah in Numbers, perpetuating the situation. It wasn't just, it wasn't enough, it wasn't good enough for them that everyone was now being chastened by the Lord and it was going to take 40 years to bring about what had happened. And, and, and by what the Lord said, and by what happened, I mean what the Lord said as far as you're going to enter the land. You're going to eat the good of the land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. That's for you. It's your land. It wasn't good enough that they prevented people from entering into that. But now, further rebellion and sowing discord amongst the leadership and amongst the other tribes and families. So then, of course, the Lord deals with it in his way. It wasn't a natural thing. All right? Yes. The Lord further highlighting, no, this is whom I've chosen to lead. And then even after that, right, um, after the Lord deals with the whole situation, he further highlights who he has chosen as his leaders. And in chapter 17 is where Aaron's rod blooms. All right? Yes. The Lord making the distinguishable difference. Setting apart his, his own. People that he has appointed and given the opportunity to lead and lead the people. It is the, our job as the people to receive what the Lord said. Come into alignment with it. What he said is good. It will come to pass. Why do we try to approach things another way? So, so as we're here in Jude, right? Yes. He's saying, hey, whether it's Balaam, or for profit, or it's Korah, it was rebelliousness. It was sowing well, we'll go back to verse 4, right? Because the what he's trying to say here, Jude is, when he's talking about um, old and new apostates, it's people that fell away. They were they were part of the faith. They, they may have walked it out for a little bit, but they fell away, right? And he says in verse 4, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness, and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, trying to take away or distort 
in other words, teaching others how sin and error and rebellion, right? We have the same or a similar thing with Jeremiah, right? Yes. Jeremiah says, as a result of your actions, your disbelief, your, your unbelief, and your rebelliousness, that you're going to be spending time in captivity, right? Yes. And then what happens? Hananiah comes and breaks the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck and says, no, but the Lord will only save for a year. It's only going to be for a year, two years, right? Yes. That you'll be in bondage, and it's going to be light. And then the, and Jeremiah says, okay, well, so be it, right? Yes. That's what the Lord's saying to you? Okay. Well, like, in other words, what, uh, what he's getting at is, I hope what you say comes to pass. And he leaves. And then the Lord sends him back and says, no, no, no. Now you're going to talk to the people and you're going to give them the nitty-gritty. It's not going to be for two years. It's going to be for 70 years. And that yoke of wood, you've now made it a yoke of iron. Is going to be worse and harsher. And then he also talks to, you know, through Jeremiah, to Hananiah specifically, and says, you are going to perish because, what? You taught the people rebellion. And they believed the word of peace that Hananiah was bringing, which was actually rebellious and didn't, right? But, and I say it in this way. We all want to have the, the light, the easy, well, it's not going to be as bad as, as it sounds, right? Yes. We try to stir up our own hope where our hope should be in the Lord. And as, there's a natural way to go about it, and there's a spiritual way, and we are spiritual beings. We should be approaching everything spiritually and with the Lord. But instead they tried to encourage themselves or create hope in, in and of the, their flesh. And it went against what the Lord said. Right? It's the same thing that the Lord also dealt with with Moses and Aaron later. He said it was a breaking of faith. Right? You didn't revere me in front of the people. You rebelled, right? Yes. Okay. If greed is his idolatry, that's what he says to Saul, and rebellion is his witchcraft... All of it is a breaking of faith. It's going against what the Lord said. So, Jude is trying to make that plain to us in what he is saying here and giving us these examples. Does that make sense? Yes. Anybody have any questions on that? No. No. I would just like to say also in verse 5, you kind of see what, what he's talking about as well. It says, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So basically saying, as as believers, when we start the journey, we should commit to completing the journey. So that way, along the way, we don't fall away from God. So just like Korah came out of the land of Egypt, he started out going the right direction. But somewhere in there, his heart swayed. You see the same thing with Cain. Cain knew who God was, but he turned from that. And even God told him and cautioned him, sin lies at the door and his desires to have you, but you should rule over it. So, and even with Balaam, Balaam was a prophet of God. And how it references here, 
that his error came in because he ran greedily after profit, financial gain or compensation versus sticking to and staying what God said. So as we look at the journey, there are beautiful things about our walk with the Lord that make us go, "Wee, yes, God, this is exactly why we're serving you. But there are also challenging times that come. In all things, we are to give thanks and remember why we are running the race that we're running and to be encouraged so that we, we don't become discouraged and fall away. We are not um, lackadaisical or we fail to watch and we are then drawn away by different things or become bitter on the inside towards the path or the journey that God has us on and then turn away at some point. So it's an encouragement to go, hey, Start the race. That's great. Good job because you have you can't finish unless you first start, right? But once you start, how much profit or benefit is it to you if you don't finish? None. Okay. So finish the race. Set your heart and your mind now to finish the course with Jesus Christ. Finish the race. And whatever he brings to you, even if it is a challenging time, understand that he's already equipped you and suited you to conquer, to endure, to succeed, because we're more than conquerors, right? Yes. Through him that loved us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And he's given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness, so press forth and keep going and finish the race. Go ahead, Kyla. I wanted to talk about verse 8. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Um, the part of that section of scriptures that really stuck out to me was the speaking evil of dignitaries. And not just people that are given the position of authority over you, but even your neighbor. Because the Lord tells us if we speak evil of our neighbor or think we hate our neighbor in our hearts, we've already committed murder. And he t also tells us to, if we don't like something that they're doing, like say your governor or the person leading your country, you don't like what they're doing, you don't agree with their policies, pray for them. Because God is the only one that can change their heart. And you are honoring God in the act of praying for them, but you're also opening the door for the blessings in your life. Because when you intercede for other people, God can then turn around and bless you. It's the theory of you give, you sow to receive. And I understand it's challenging at times. You're just like, I don't really like that. Or you may not like the person personally. You just don't like the way their face looks or something. But still, you should love them just in the same way you would want God to treat you. You wouldn't want God to say, okay, well, you made a mistake one time. Well, you're going to hell now. There's no redemption for you. Or you're struggling and you're going through a rough time, you'd still want somebody to intercede on your behalf and petition the Lord to help you, give you hope, or allow you to see the dawning of a new day and offer that chance for you to come to Christ. Likewise, we should treat others in the same manner. Jesus said that, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Pretty simple. Yes. And God is the judge. There it is. You can look at actions and say they're wrong, but accusing or assassinating the person's character 
and condemning them is not your place. Our place. Right? There's one accuser of the brethren. There's already somebody doing that job and he's doing enough. Yes. We are we have the ministry of reconciliation. So thank you, Kyla. Amen. Who else has something they want to share? Charles, you're looking pretty intently over there. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about how um, it was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and how just first part of verse 7, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner. It just reminded me of how we are also we're like to be we're supposed to be a light in the world, but also how you can be a bad light and draw for people further into sins. The Lord just showed me that Sodom and Gomorrah were was an evil city, and the cities around them were clearly watching them to see what they were gonna do and how they're living and how that actually played in their lives. And it just reminded me of how we were doing a study in First or Second Peter and was talking about how. Um, Lot, yes, how he was looking at the people and how it tormented his soul, but why was Lot there and constantly looking at it unless he wanted to be there? And how when we are constantly looking at something, even if we don't agree with it, we're continuing to meditating, meditate it, and eventually it will become part of us and how we should totally... I'd say close yourself off from that. There's no need to entertain sin because once you start doing that, it'll come back more and more. Then you give it more thought and then it will eventually take ruin your life and you'll do it. The best way to do this is just to ask the Lord to help you in that moment. And don't even, if something does pop into your head, don't even meditate and say, well, I could do that. No, but immediately put it away from you because we are, we have, the Lord inside of us, there's no need for anything else in there. Okay, so you're saying don't, when when a thought comes, don't see how, don't watch that movie that starts to try to play and show in your mind and see how it would look and don't imagine yourself, well, what if I did do that? Is that what you're saying? Yes. But to imme immediately bring those thoughts into the captivity of Christ, of Christ and reject them and cast them out and then refocus and put your mind on the word of God and remember who you are in Jesus Christ? Yes. Okay. Okay. Amen, sweetheart. You have something else you want to share, sir? He's talking to you, promise. Yes, you promise. Oh, I had a question. Okay. Well, please, let's hear it. Oh, uh, what is a dignitary? It is someone that has been appointed or given a position, right, from a government. Uh, so an ambassador, an emissary, right, those are dignitaries. Okay. Right? So it's been, it's a person that represents um, someone else in a position of authority. They also have authority, but it's authority that has been given to them by another ruler in a higher rank than they. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so well, we have ambassadors at multiple embassies, right? 
or this nation does. Okay, so they all have been given authority from the president, right? Yes. Okay, they are dignitaries. And then at the embassy, they would entertain other dignitaries, other ambassadors from other nations that have all received similar authority from their presidents or prime ministers or, or whoever has granted them that authority, right, as an ambassador. And, and what is the role of an ambassador? To act on behalf of the president. Exactly. What they say carries the full weight of the person who sent them, the president, the prime minister, whoever it is. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. What else, sir? The Lord is bringing to my attention verse 8, where it says, Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, rejecting authority and speaking evil of dignitaries. And speak evil of dignitaries. Sorry. Okay. So, what was showing that when Jude said authority... Where it says reject authority, that doesn't mean like the person that's over there. It means the Lord, that they're rejecting the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the dignitaries are the people, like let's say Moses and Aaron. Those would be the dignitaries that the Lord sends to go tell his word to other people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, Isn't that the example given that we discussed earlier in Numbers 14? Yes. Right, so in Numbers 14, that was exactly what the Lord addressed because he had sent Moses and Aaron, right? Yes. And then the Lord came down in a cloud and said, how long is this people rejecting me? Right? Or contending with me, fighting against the Lord. That's an issue. It's one we all have to address in ourselves. Examining ourselves, right? Are are there areas in our life where we are fighting or contending or rejecting, ultimately rebelling against the Lord? And and if there are, well, I'll just re- leave them there, right? Let's repent. Let's uproot that that thing, that untruth, that lie, that deception that we've allowed to be planted and to grow, or that we've planted ourselves, right? And let's bring it under the blood, let's repent, and let's replace it with truth. And and by doing so, come into alignment with the Lord and what He says. Does that make sense? Yes. I just want to make, make it clear that the authority isn't the person that the physical person that's over you. Yes. And the person who has authority over us, or who should, the only person that should have authority over us, each and every believer, is the Lord. And with that, he's also set in, in place natural authorities, as yes. in parents to their children, because we have an accountability and responsibility before the Lord. So, ultimately, like you said, Promise, it's about respecting the plan of God. 
exactly. and cooperating with it. God is the one that said, wives be subject to your husbands, children be subject to your parents. God is the one who said that. So that is who we honor when we obey the plan of God. When you obey us as parents, it's accredited to you for righteousness because ultimately you're obeying God, right? And it's, a, it it's accredited to me per se, as a wife, when I honor and respect my husband, because God is the one who asked me, not because he is powering over me with authority and he's dominating me. Because he couldn't, if I didn't subject myself, he couldn't dominate me, right? Yes. yes. However, I am making myself subject to him and walking in respect because God is the one who asked me to do it. So then when my father looks at me, my heavenly father looks at me, he goes, well done, daughter, because I'm the one who told you to do that. It's not about the person that you see looking at you. It's about the one who ultimately and originally gave the command that we're behaving and following in such a way. Right? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> there's, there's a lot here. I think um, one thing since we've talked about... Um, a core rebellion, and we talked about things that have happened to people who have rebelled, right? So, um, make I, I think we want to be clear that there should be no doubt in your mind that they were aware that what they were doing was against what God had asked them to do, absolutely, or had made clear to them in other ways. So, I mean, if no other reason, you know, all creation cries out to the glory of God. So, um, God is not unjust in the way that He does, does things. And so um, you just brought up the example of um, honoring our parents, um, being subject to our husband, being subject to authorities, whatever that may be. Um, God didn't ask us to judge that person to determine if they're qualified to be in that position over us. Mm -hmm. That's not for us to decide. If God has placed them there, then we're to give them that honor and that respect regardless. So we can't allow our circumstances or our opinion of the circumstances to override what God's word has said. And that's what happens when people do that, when they reject the authority that God has placed, when they um, do what Korah's Rebellion did and all these things. It's not... I'm, I'm just concerned some people listening sometimes will, you know, will hear what they've been programmed to hear by so many people talking about how bad God is. Or who? how is this a loving God that does this? And we're very limited as human beings trying to explain who God is and why he does things because we really don't know fully. We only know what he's given us. So we have to look at his true character to understand that and then draw the best examples we can. No parent loves to punish their child. But punishment is necessary, and sometimes it's physical punishment. And... So the child can feel the pain and not understand fully where that's coming from. A lot of times I think that's how we're viewing God. And we just have to rest and trust in the fact that he is God. And he's got this. And that has to be okay sometimes. It's not about us reasoning all out. In fact, when we get into that reasoning, that's where we make the mistake. Let's take Cor for example, right? What did he do? He started reasoning things in his head. And I say this, this is conjecture, not what God's word says. Uh -huh. But it's interesting some of the words that he used when he's talking about Moses, right? So he says, Why, you, you didn't bring us into the land of milk and honey. So he's blaming him. Exactly. And then he says, you think you're a prince? 
He's shaming him because of his position that he could have had in Egypt of being the prince. In fact, he was a prince in Egypt of the royal family Absolutely. and stepped away from that. And then within no time at all was a murderer and fled. So he's trying to bring up his past to try to shame him into it. So I think it's pretty clear where Kor's heart was in this. And obviously it was clear where God, but ultimately God is just God gets to decide and we have to fall into obedience with him, not reasoning out ourselves. Amen. And even as you were talking about Korah in that they said, you took us out of a land flowing with milk and honey and didn't bring us into a land flowing with milk and honey as well, which is absolutely a lie. When you look back in Exodus, they were being beaten. Their children were being cut out of their wombs. They were being um, abused and not paid. Hence God gave them their payment later when they bankrupted the, the Egyptians and asked of their neighbors, silver and gold articles. That was their payment that they hadn't received mm-hmm. for the time that they were in Egypt and they were under bondage. They're expecting results without giving them any of the supplies or tools to do the work. Yes. Make bricks with no mm-hmm. straw. Right. I mean, but what's, what's interesting is when we're talking about being subject to, and you're bringing that into the conversation. I've always thought, again, I'm not saying thus says the Lord, but I've always thought that at some point, um, the Israelites said, we're going to concede Egypt or Pharaoh to be our God, meaning our provider and our protector, Mm -hmm. because they outnumbered the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. They relinquished. Egypt was blessed because of them, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They were saved from the famine that Absolutely. came because of Joseph and ultimately his family came down mm-hmm. and they were, they multiplied and they blessed that region. God blessed those people. And so where his people are, the blessing follows and those around them are going to receive, receive that blessing. They acquiesced, they gave up, mm-hmm. they relinquished the blessing of the Lord for what they could tangibly see in thinking that they had a king or ruler that could handle them, which was, always the case right trying to find something other than god to rule over us mm-hmm. and ultimately as they continue giving up their little freedoms they end up deeper and deeper into slavery to the point where they didn't have enough food to eat mm-hmm. and they they lived in the best land and at some point joseph right initially he was there and he was the one in the place of authority that was looking out for them but eventually he died he passed away and they never it doesn't seem like they ever really noticed that we should be watching. We should be aware of what's happening. And like you said, gave away those little freedoms. And as the people became less favorable towards them, they just went along with it to eventually become oppressed, even though they were stronger, more numerable. I mean, like, and God was with them. Every natural thing you would look at in order to, you know, when you're assessing uh, a potential force, enemy force, army, whatever way you want to look at, right? They had everything, and it it did them no good. You you could argue that the trust wasn't fully in the Lord, one. And then two, you could also articulate that they did not stand in their faith and in their trust in the Lord. Well, if if you don't understand your perspective uh, or or your... um, I, the the words are escaping me. If if you know who you are in Christ and in God, and Your you're being of obedient yes. to what He's called you to do, then 
you cannot use your natural eyes to look at things. You have to hang to the truth that God has given you. The Egyptians said, let us rule over them. Let us take control of them because they are numerous and they will overtake us and destroy us. They were scared of them. And the Israelites gave it up, just rolled over and just mm-hmm. gave them that instead of saying no and, and, and under, understanding who they were in God, understanding what impact they had in the life, in the, uh, in the region in which they lived, right, and, and having a right relationship with God so they had his perspective on things. And I think it's pretty clear they didn't, although God's word doesn't say that. It sure seems like that's what had to have happened. Exactly. And, and what you were saying about picking up other things, right? How many times, uh, just, well, in the first five books, the Torah, the Pentateuch, whichever way you want to phrase it, does the Lord say, put away the, the things and the gods, don't go after the other gods from Egypt. So in other words, there's a, a clear statement there. And he says it numerous times, right? The, the ones you did not know before. So in other words, they learned things along the way that were against what the Lord had said that needed to be worked out, that needed to be done away with. That's, that's the first commandment. You will have no other gods before me. Nothing in between you and I. Right? But so clearly things were picked up along the way. And not just picked up, but held on to. In spite of the Lord saying, hey, do away with these things. Get rid of them. That's rebellion. When the Lord of all the earth, creation, everything... The true and living God says, hey, get rid of this. This isn't good for you. This is in no way going to bless you. It is only going to detract from our relationship and the things that I want to do with and for you. And we say no and insist in being opposite or in opposition to what he is saying. Please continue. Um, on that same vein of thought, I would like to talk about verse 6. Although it's talking about angels here, but it still applies to the believer. If you don't, um, like you were saying, Mr. Dean, if you don't maintain your proper place of dominion and order that the Lord has given, you are being rebellious and you've given up all the territory that the Lord has given. Would you care to continue that thought, Molly? No. Go ahead, sweetheart. You give me a look. That's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh. I, I think what the look was, and to remind us all, since nobody can see what's going on here, that look clearly was, you're preaching to yourself, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> this conversation may have happened recently a few times. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Several times. But that's the good thing about God and his love, and he's so patient with us. That exactly. He knows sometimes it takes us a while to get it, but just... Keep seeking in on him and just keep pushing in to be closer to him and, and trust him in his timing. That's right. And keep saying, yes, God, whether you conceive it, you can picture it at the moment or not. He knows and he's good. So go ahead, sweetheart. It's like my mom says, we do have to have this conversation quite frequently. Um, <laughs> just because. I, I don't know. I, I've. No, I'm sure you guys have heard me mention it before that I was called to go to school to be an engineer. And there's times I'm like, I don't know that I want to be an engineer. And that's changed recently. I can see it more now, but there's still a part of me that's like, "Um, 
I don't know if I want to do that, but I still have to continue to press in on that and to achieve my destiny as my mom likes to call it because if I don't do it, I'm not maintaining my proper dominion and I'm giving territory over to the devil. And that for me is being rebellious by saying, I don't know if I want to be an engineer. That's still, although God is gracious and he understands my heart and where I'm at, it's still rebellious of me to say, I don't want to go to school for that. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You're going to say something, Layla? Go ahead, sweetie pie. I just wanted to ask a quick question just for um, our listeners to ponder on. What is your abode? What it, What does that look like in life? It's I'm going to tell you now it's not your house. That's not the abode that's being talked about in the scripture. But what is your abode? What does that look like for you as an individual? I know what it looks like for me, but what it looks like for me is not what it looks like for you. So just spend time asking the Lord that what your abode looks like in your life. Well, all right. Okay. Well, so there's a lot to ponder and meditate on there. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Um, as it pertains to leaders, these are the leaders that the leaders that you have are the leaders that the Lord has appointed and allowed in that position. Our role is to pray for them, to lift them up before the Lord. All right? The king's heart is but a stream in the hands of the Lord. He can change it and direct which way it goes. So let's lift up our leaders at every level. All right? They're they're needed. It is needed. They need our prayers. All right? Yes. And then also, let's examine ourselves and make sure we are right before our Lord and our Heavenly Father. All right, so with that, can I get someone to volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Charles. Well, I just thank you for being in our midst, Lord. I just thank you for your knowledge of the circumstances that we go through, Lord, and that you just patient with us, Lord, and just continue to guide us in your right way, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for how you have blessed us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and have not forsaken us, but continue to clearly make the path known to us, Lord, so that way we can follow you, Lord, and do as you do what is pleasing to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.